He's big and strong, he's sad and mad, and a little bit funny. You are listening to the Crash Program. Crash Barry here. Today on Disinfomaniacs, we have part two of our two-part look at Chris Polehouse a.k.a. Hammer, a neo-Nazi trying to set up a tiny house compound in the town of Springfield, Maine, in our northeast of Bangor. Content warning, we're discussing Nazis and their tactics, along with other sensitive topics, including Hammer's apparent Jewish lineage and his great-great-great-uncle who'd been imprisoned in two concentration camps during World War II. Also, there is some swearing this episode, so this one's not for kids or the overly sensitive. Be warned. If you want to support the Crash Program, please rate, review, and subscribe. More details located at CrashBerry.com. Now, on with the show. Disinfomaniacs is a podcast about the liars, the grifters, and the fascist charlatans intent on destroying democracy. We will be reporting on how their propaganda trickles down to negatively impact local communities. We are here to expose, debunk, and pre-bunk the disinfomaniacs. Welcome to episode four of Disinfomaniacs. I'm Crash Barry. Joining me is Andy O'Brien. Hi there. And Nathan Bernard. Hello. This is part two of our look at Chris Polehouse, a.k.a. Hammer, a Hitler-worshipping Norse pagan with the intent on starting a tiny house compound in the town of Springfield, Maine, in Penobscot County, about an hour north of Bangor, If you haven't listened to part one, which is episode three of Disinfomaniacs, you should go back and listen. There's lots and lots of details that you're going to want to know about, about this rising star in the far right being called by many chuds the next George Lincoln Rockwell, who was the former Mainer, as Andy and I discussed in part one, who founded the American Nazi Party in 1959 who was assassinated in 1967 when leaving a laundromat. And Andy, last time I said that it was his second command, I said, I couldn't remember his name. I said it was something like Hitler, right? <laughs> he changed his name. The assassin of uh, George Lincoln Rockwell's last name was Hatler, P-A-T-L-E-R. Ah. Like Hitler, except for his P-A as opposed to H-I. You know, I've always told you my dad used to go uh, to Link Rockwell's house to eat lobster back in the day. He said he really hated Jewish people. I was like, why would you hang out with a Nazi? He was like, well, I don't know. He's a friend of a friend. What? He would hang out with what? My dad was friends with a guy who helped found like the Common Ground Fair, Mafka. And he happened to, I think, go to school with George Lincoln Rockwell. At Hebrew Academy. Uh, oh, he- my God. Yeah, we drove there once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we went there looking at it. You're near Lewiston, Auburn, right? We went to it so I could show you where he went to... Uh, basically a private high school in Western Maine. Yeah, I remember that. 
Andy, your father was buddies with a guy who was buddies with George Lincoln Walker? Yeah. So he got invited over to his house in West, uh, Westport Island, which I, I think it was his father's house. Yes, it was. And I've talked to people who research it, like Colin Woodard, and he was like, oh, he was estranged from his father during that period. And I think his father probably told everybody that he was estranged. But uh, he was going over there and hanging out, you know, when he was full on Nazi. Um you know, and and holding court and 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 comparing Jewish people to beagles and you know whatever. Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, he had a lot of stories about him, uh, and it's uh, just like yeah, he called him Link. So, oh yeah, Link Rockwell. I remember. Okay, so Link Rockwell, he's revered today. They they call him like a saint. Yeah. Okay, and and this modern far writers, it's like Saint Rockwell and all this stuff, and now they're starting to say Hammer is the next George Lincoln Rockwell, okay, which is driving me batty, okay? So, listener, if you haven't listened to episode one of this, part one, go back. We'll wait for you. And I'm just going to do a very brief recap to remind everyone else about what's up with Christopher Polehouse, uh, a.k.a. The Hammer. We'll be using both those names. In January 2023, thanks to an ill-planned trip to England and Ireland, Polehouse ended up being deported because of a lack of a work permit, deported back to Maine. We'll talk about this later. But Hammer, he's this itinerant tattooist, and he specializes in giving Nazi tattoos that most artists won't touch. And the British border guards, they noticed his tattooing gun and his gear, and then they noticed his swastika necklace, and then his lucky Reichsmark coin, this German coin minted by Hitler. And then the border guards saw his swastika tattoo, and they decided they didn't need any more white-skinned head Nazis in Great Britain, so they were going to send them back to the States after they called the Irish border cops, who said, no feckin' way, don't let Hammer enter the Emerald Isle. And even though he claims to be, get this, a quarter Irish, which is bad, okay? So anyways, according to Hammer, the deportation put him on the Fed's radar, FBI comes to Penobscot County, tells all his normie friends, that uh, Hammer's this crazy Nazi, which resulted in Hammer claiming that the FBI ran him out of Maine temporarily in mid-February. And he hit the road in his pickup truck and barked on a couch-surfing multi-state adventure. On March 11th, he reappeared at the Drag Story Hour in Wadsworth, Ohio, where he and a dozen armed members of his so-called Blood Tribe, the Ohio chapter, made international news. It was international news, wearing their matching masks and red sweatshirts and throwing the Roman salutes and chanting bad chants and all while waving these swastika battle flags that Hammer sells through his internet store. And Hammer can be seen in many of the videos with a sidearm holstered at his waist, leading these Nazis in chants and yelling. That's the recap. Oh, yeah, and according to Hammer... He's coming back to Maine when winter ends. So be on the lookout for the skinhead with the tattoo on the side of his head and runes that spells out Wotan. Seems hard to miss. Okay, well, today I have lots more in Hammer. And we're going to talk about his influences and his strategies. I learned all this, or most of this, uh, while listening to these interviews uh, this week that he did for three different neo-Nazi podcasts. And I'm not going to name the podcast because we don't want to platform them. 
but one of the podcasts is a very well-known show aimed at white supremacist dads. That's right. A podcast specifically for American Nazi dads. Uh, do you guys know what the name of that podcast is? Are you familiar with that podcast? No, what is it? Trad Dads. Is it actually Trad Dads? That would be a good name for a Nazi dad podcast for sure. No, that's a good name though. I'm not going to I'm not going to give them any air. Okay, hold on. I'm going to say it and I'll bleep it out. The name of it is House, but H A U S. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, uh, uh, terrible. So that was one show. It's very big. And the reason why I know about it is because there are other people that we've watched over the years who have appeared on that show. And it's actually a very well done show with banter and like one of the hosts is named Coach. And, you know, it's it's not like a it's not like a poorly produced show. So it's you know good content for these American Nazi dads. And then they're serious Nazis. They talk about Hitler uh, like all the time, positively. And they use the N word. And it's just disgusting. The other two shows he was on are, again, nameless, but they're hosted by these like very young male incel Nazis, okay, 20-somethings, okay? And they're obviously in love with Hammer. They just love him and his antics. So on these shows, Hammer feels free to share or maybe even overshare his ideas and all the stories to a very, 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 very receptive audience. And so far, I can tell just through stats that He's reached, between these three shows, over 5,000 listeners in the last two weeks. <laughs> and probably more, because the white Nazi dad cast is very, very popular in white nationalist circles. So anyways, we're going to get into some very behind-the-scenes information and Hammer's personal history, along with his plans for future actions. And I think both you, Andy, and Nathan are going to be very interested in the details about the Blood Tribe's New uniforms. They have new uniforms. Nothing like a, a fascist uniform. And they have membership goals. And I got to say, listening to those interviews on those podcasts filled in lots and lots of gaps in my knowledge of Hammer's timeline. And it kind of provided insight into his modus operandi. And it shows ways, I think, or at least I hope, ways that people can counter his actions and rhetoric in the future. But before we get into that, I got to tell you something really, 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 really friggin' nuts about Hammer, a longtime and loyal listener to this podcast with some very good genealogy skills, decided to chart Pole House's family tree in a very, very strange twist. Hammer, a.k.a. Christopher Pole House, has lots of Jewish relatives. Wow. Oh, my. This genealogist is going to send me the entire family tree, but preliminary findings are pretty interesting, okay? All these Jewish relatives are on his father's grandmother's side, some of whom are still alive, okay? Uh, but here's the real shocker. Based upon this family tree, Hammer's great, great, great uncle once removed. Let me say that again. Hammer's great, great, great uncle once removed, on his father's side, was Jacob Polhouse, who was born in 1919 in Germany and was sent to the Sachsenhausen concentration camp in March of 1941. Wow. This is Hammer's great, great, great uncle, born in 1919. 
and Jacob Polhouse was in there until 1941. And then he was transferred a year and a half later in December 1942 to Dachau, Dachau concentration camps, one of the most notorious, worst, just a bad, 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 bad scene, right? Wow. And uh, piecing together codes and these records from the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum archives, that's where all this information comes from. It appears that Jacob was in the camps because he was gay, that he was in the camps because he was Jewish, and because he was serving in the military he, as a German, he was also accused of being a work shirker. So we don't know much about Jacob other than, amazingly, he seemingly survived Hitler's death camps. And first, I just want to say that this is a very sensitive topic. And before we go any further, may Jacob's memory be a blessing. And what does this actually mean? That Hammer is related to somebody, a gay man, who is in concentration camps. Well, I checked with a Jewish pal who said that most religious Jewish people typically follow the matrilineal lineage, which means if your mom's Jewish, you're Jewish. So that's what Jewish people think. But Nazis think differently. Seems like, according to Hitler's rules, Hammer probably would have been considered mixed blood at minimum, which meant he would not have fared well in Nazi Germany. And to be blunt, Hammer doesn't seem to qualify now for membership in his own gang, right? The blood tribe. Because that's all about being a pure-blooded Aryan. And I've heard Hammer talk about it many, many times. His gang is for white folks only, definitely not for Jews. And here he is, apparently related to a Holocaust camp survivor. One of his own family was a gay Jewish male persecuted by Hitler. I mean, these guys do a lot of genealogical research. I mean, at least they take ancestry dna tests or you know 23 and me i mean how could he not know this they're so obsessed with i was just thinking that how did i wonder if he knows this or not like yeah we gotta we gotta get him on the record on this well i guess we'll we'll let him know after the podcast airs i i he does say and i want for the record he does say when someone asks his ethnicity because they they do that in these podcasts he was a quarter Irish, a little bit British, and the rest, I believe, German. German Jewish. I'm surprised he doesn't know myself. But here's the other thing. We're going to talk more about this later. He was born and raised a hardcore Pentecostal Christian. Okay? The Pentecostal doesn't surprise me because they're sort of driving the global fascist movement right now. Right. Right. For sure. I mean, if we talk about the Pentecostals, those are really the Christo-fascists, the Christian nationalists, right? A lot of them are in that um, school of thought. I, I just want to play one short clip here quickly from Hammer back in 2021. This is before he came to Maine. And during, I can't believe I have to say this is the name of something, but this is what Hammer was part of the, quote, name the nose tour, end quote on by the Goyam Defense League. I know you guys know who they are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Just total chuds, uh, terrible people. And what they do is a bunch of these white guys, white chuds, 
They they get in a van and they drive to different cities and they harass people of color and women and then they film it all for laughs, right? All for the lulls. And then they use it as an opportunity to hang these anti-Semitic and racist banners on like highway overpasses, right? We've seen NSC 131 do that. And these guys also made like recently that a lot of their videos have been showing up from Florida, you know, harassing when cops show up and then they start you know, using the N word and calling people Jews and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a, a lot on social media recently. I was really surprised to see how awful and rude they were to people. It was just like no sense of decency. Uh, they would say just the meanest stuff to people. It's really bad. Okay. And this is from a video from, uh, the, I believe in Texas. And it's where Hammer is uh, talking about what Jewish people in America should do. If I was a Jew, I'd run. I mean, seriously, like, I, if you care about your family and you're a Jew, I'd fucking leave the country ASAP. Huh. Response to that, leaving the country ASAP? Well, I mean, sure, leave the country. <laughs> we should take them up on that. What about thoughts on Hammer being partially Jewish, or at least having a Jewish relative who is in Hitler's camps? How do you think that's going to go with his uh, blood tribe? It's hard to tell these days. Like, I don't know how Nazis are thinking, but, you know, look at somebody like Kanye West, who's like praising Hitler. And all of a sudden, Nick Fuentes is running around with him and stuff like that. A total racist Nazi, you know, making common cause with an African-American man who loves Hitler. You know, I, I don't I don't know how restrictive they are if somebody's willing to spout the the whole line. I think in Hammer's case, he has been very strident and anti-Jew. Yeah. I think it would be tough to ride this out. I don't know. It's like, have we seen this happen before where, where someone's been uh, outed as uh, partially Jewish? I know we've seen it with someone's been outed as being Mexican. Uh, there is a guy named Gypsy who's a big... Uh, uh, he, Gypsy was the one who dresses up in outfits as superheroes and would go harass women and people of color in character as a superhero. Um, well, th there was a guy out west uh, that was trying to start a Nazi colony, and they, he took a DNA test on one of those talk shows, and it turned out he was like 15, 20% African-American or something. <laughs> uh, it's not unheard of. I don't think the real purpose of this episode, though, is to talk about Hammer's plans and his strategy that he revealed during these podcast interviews. I don't think it really makes a difference that there's a good chance he has Jewish blood flowing through his veins. He's still a bad dude. Right. I don't want to bury the lead here, but many hours into one of the interviews and these interviews are like three hours long, some of them. Right. Uh, Hammer reveals that the blood tribe's next action is currently being planned. So it's a, like a violation of OPSEC, right? You normally wouldn't reveal that. And it's quite a different target than the drag queen story hour. And it reveals that the blood tribe is, I think, more than just like this group of anti-Semitic, racist, homophobe, white boys just shit posting on the internet. We're going to let him explain. I don't know if you guys are aware, but getting people all in the one one place on the same day is kind of difficult. We want to make sure that when we do that, it counts. We don't want to do uh, any sort of action that goes unnoticed or isn't going to make an impact, right? And we do want to strike fear in our enemies. So our intention uh, is to signal 
that, you know, and, and that is also a display of strength to, to put them in fear. Um, one thing that I would like to do here soon, I would really like to march on Norfolk Southern, the train company that derailed and blew up those uh, chemicals in Ohio and poisoned the state of Ohio. I think that we could then corner the market on eco-fascist activism. Uh, we can show the world that the best and most scary uh, environmental activists are national socialists, and they're the only ones that will be taken seriously because regular national uh, regular um, you know, environmental activists are dismissed by the populace because they have ridiculous demands like everybody needs to have an electric car with no one eating meat. Eco-activists in 2023 are easily dismissed. They're ridiculous and foolish, and they have pipe dream type ideas. But we can corner the market on rational, uh, ecological um, activism. And, um, yeah, I, I would really like to do that. If you guys are interested in that, contact us. Get in touch with the Ohio boys. We want to make that happen. We want to put fear in the hearts of those who decide to mass poison the people of Ohio and more. That's something I definitely want to do here soon. Oh, my God. The thing that's important to remember about these guys is they always try to uh, find a way to weave in whatever the latest crisis or tragedy is into their narrative. And so to say, like, oh, you know, this massive chemical spill in Palestine, Ohio, uh, it was it wasn't an accident. They were actually trying to poison white people to wipe them out as part of this white genocide theory, you know, and. I mean, Ecofash has a long history. Uh, it's basically a far-right attempt to co-opt the environmental movement. And they blame the degradation of the environment, not on billionaire oil tycoons, but, uh, you know, overpopulation, immigration, uh, you know, over-industrialization, which is why they, they always share memes of some lily-white family on a farm with, like, 10 kids, you know, and a trad wife. You know, instead of focusing on getting off of fossil fuels, investing in high-speed rail, their solution, like all of their solution, is the final solution. Uh, you know, basically genocide of all non-white people. You know, and unfortunately, there there are many uh, ostensibly on the left who subscribe to these sort of Malthusian views of overpopulation. Uh, which is nearly always focused on poor and brown people uh, in countries with large populations, but not on the greedy capitalists who consume most of the world's resources. Uh, and, as, and also, you know, I might add, you know, as we know, uh, Hitler was a vegetarian, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it, but this is what fascists do. They co-opt movements. Uh, but they really only stand for one thing. It's the hyper-nationalism, bigotry, and violence. You know? National socialism. It's how they appropriated the socialist movement. They they took some ideas and critiques of capitalism and they formed their own uh, you know, violent, uh, racist movement. Yeah, it's like if you want to become a successful eco-fascist or whatever, then his plan, I guess, like sounds pretty good because for an average person, they're like, oh, Fuck North Oak, like Norfolk Southern, because it's necessary action. But I mean, it's being taken by fascists and like capitalized on by faux populists and people. Like Trump was in East Palestine buying people McDonald's, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't focus on deregulation. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're not going to talk about that. There's like, oh no, no, no. This was actually a plot by the Biden administration to kill some white people. 
And this is the story of the freight industry for years is just deregulation. And you're, you know, both of yeah. us, I think, remember Lac Magantique in Quebec, where, you know, you know, a rail car got away and blew up a town. Yeah. And, and that's what they're trying to do. And, you know, we saw this. I didn't see any Nazis standing up for railway workers who were who were fighting for a fair contract, you know, in these last negotiations. Exactly. It's all conspiracies and, and plots to wipe out white people. Uh, nothing about the work, of the plight of the worker and having no days off or no, anything like no. that, you know, because these guys don't know. No, no. Or the fact that they only have one person in the in the tray and they don't, you know, it's just the sad thing. This It's sad, though, because, I mean, Trump is there showing up to do this stuff and is just greeted with open arms. So I think there are people that can fall into these far right movements because they're showing up to, you know, get a Trump burger at McDonald's or whatever. You know, it's like there's a lot of morons that can get pulled in is what I'm saying. At the same time, I think that local people kind of get resentful when, you know, right wing grifters show up in their neighborhood trying to capitalize on their on their crisis. Yeah. I mean, this guy is this guy is a face tattoo blatant Nazi. I mean, yeah, it's but still I'm here to help you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. These guys are not going for the normies. I've heard him explain it a hundred times. He's going for the guys in Patriot Front or a proud boy to come over. But all those guys kind of blur together anyway. I mean, you know, there's plenty of people. In- they don't use a swastika. Not all of them use a swastika. No. Well, that's because they're optics cucks. He's trying to attract the people just to the left of him. He doesn't care about the normies. Right. He's there to scare the normies. Mm-hmm. In his eyes, he'll get the, the semi-chuds, and then the normal Republicans will become semi-chuds. Right, right, right. You know, it's like moving up the ranks. Yeah. But I want to continue with that fascist theme and talk about another one of the favorite fash passion, which is fashion. These fash love flags, right? And they also love uniforms and they love to wear matching shirts, silver shirts, American, brown shirts, German. I mean, the shirt thing is a friggin' cliche. We're going to hear about the Blood Tribe's new duds in a minute. But for context, Andy, what's the Proud Boys uniform? The Proud Boys, uh, their uniform has traditionally included this uh, $100 black and yellow Fred Perry polo. I've also seen them wear the same black and yellow plaid shirt I bought on clearance at at JCPenney. (laughs) That's kind of their colors. (laughs) You know, they like shitty yellow, black kilts. And, you know, they even uh, sent out a memo, actually. I don't know if any of you saw that, about what clothes were appropriate to wear in public. Um, And they're just trying to appear like, you know, frat boys or, you know, these kind of clean cut Nazis. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, Western chauvinists, I guess you call them. But it's the interesting history of this because, you know, Fred Perry, the designer, his father was actually a socialist politician, has, of course, distanced itself from the Proud Boys and condemned them from using it. But they became cool in immigrant neighborhoods in London. And it was connected to kind of reggae and ska subcultures. A lot of those, uh, you know, Jamaican musicians and stuff, they had shaved heads. They wore these uh, Fred Perry's and things like that. And and they would party with with uh, local uh, white working class dudes. And, and it was not a racist movement. Uh, but then Fred Perry's became popular with football fans. So they would wear they liked it because they had the different colors. Right. Uh, and then in the late 60s, 
the British National Front started trying to recruit at soccer stadiums. So they would wear this gear and they kind of co-opted, which is what, like I said, Nazis always do. They always, you know, they always steal ideas and fashion because they're incapable of coming up with a single original idea. Uh, They're totally unoriginal dullards. Uh, But, you know, as I said, the original skinheads were black and white and anti-racist. So Proud Boys are trying to be cool and fratty like football hooligans, but they're really more like Nazi skinheads who wore them. And it's kind of like a dog whistle in that sense. You know, swastikas are too LARPy for them. It's bad for optics. Uh, But it's also an attempt to normalize hate, you know, just dress all preppy. And, you know, if you look back even to like David Duke in the 70s, he would wear polos and kind of try to rebrand the Klan, you know, get get rid of the white hoods and and, and white sheets image. Uh, And so, you know, it's it's funny how these groups literally send out memos to members about what is acceptable attire. You know, they're total fashion whores and, and and they spend a lot of money on their clothes. Oh, for sure. I mean, you said $100 for the Proud Boys shirt. Okay, Nathan, what about some other modern U.S. fascist uniforms? I mean, we can look at something like Vanguard America, uh, who had a large presence at Charlottesville. James Fields, the killer uh, of Heather Heyer uh, at Charlottesville, um, he wore this sort of attire, for instance. A typical... A fashionista from Vanguard America would be described as an IT guy who's not so secretly into white nationalism on the weekends, wear white polo shirt, khakis, and mirrored sunglasses, Uh, shields, often wielding a shield um, with Italian fascist symbols like a bundle of sticks around an axe, a handle, uh, sometimes carried by an eagle. They're wearing those backstrap, the a backpack that has a strap across the front that you would tighten to be like tight across. Uh, you know, they're always trying to have their chest out, be super hyper masculine, uh, and yeah, sensible shoes. So you know, just um, some basic white Converse, something like that. Um, a paramilitary look is how it's right. described. So that's that's one kind of uh, more clean cut fascist sort of look. Um, there's a very pathetic group of people, uh, though, that are often seen on the Internet, uh, often made fun of um, on the Internet. Uh, Kekistanis um, <laughs> yes. described a uh, topic describes it as Gamergate for white nationalists, I guess. Um, they just seem to be the guys that are showing up uh, with a shirt that, like, you know, is like showing their gut a little bit hanging out and they have a huge neck beard, uh, oftentimes wearing a helmet of some sort. Um, like a bike helmet, not even necessarily like not, not like a cool helmet or anything. Uh, and a lot of like Pepe the Frog sort of stuff that is now extremely played out, but they're still wearing it. <laughs> um, just the lowest of the low. They're not in with fascist fashion trends. They're not up on it, uh, lagging way behind uh, and just look terrible. They've looked terrible from the start. There's so many pictures, oh, man, there's there's a couple of just ones where it's, you know, guys in bicycle helmets, like at a Trump rally with this stuff, Kekistan flags, like, oh, shit, like, you're just embarrassed for them. I remember them showing up at a drag queen story hour in Waterville, Maine, <laughs> three years ago, Andy, but probably. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, it was it was. It was before this whole thing took off. It was the OG stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, Tom Kaczynski, a Nazi from Connecticut, uh, some dude from Waterville that ran for city council. I can't remember his name. Oh, Sean. Yeah, yeah, Sean. Yeah, Sean Karen. And this this guy, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it right. Nathan, what do you call him? Kekistan? Kekistanis? Kekistan. <laughs> yeah. He, he shows up at this thing, and it was like 200 allies to the drag queen story hour and like 11 or 12 chuds <laughs> oh yeah one wow. for sure you know at the time i uh reminded people that he was one of the nazis that came to lewiston uh, andy you'll remember this too back in 2003 with world church of creator when they came to lewiston back in the day and this is a real bad dude oh yeah so they were wearing uh a, 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 a colored wig too they had like a wig on. I remember it. <laughs> he was wearing like a full clown outfit. Oh, no. He had a flag because they have a flag, right? Yeah, it was the Kekistani flag. Yeah, clown outfit, like clown outfits. Yeah, clown shit. Yeah, this clown shit. Yeah, they would always wear a literal clown. Like there are multiple of them wearing clown makeup with a Kekistani flag. Just That's clown world. They're in clown world. Yeah. Yeah, clown world, right? Yeah, everybody is woke, and so that's like clownish, and so we're gonna dress up like clowns to own the libs. Yeah, exactly. Wow, they're so cool. No one gets it though. You have to be like on four chan. <laughs> Takes such an explanation to even get anywhere close to what the joke is supposed to be. That's just such a miss on so many levels. And and there were a bunch of people like like chuds who were responding to that story and just being like. Dude, why are you doing that? That's embarrassing. You're embarrassing everybody by <laughs> dressing up like a clown in that weird <laughs> flag you're waving of a made-up country. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Bad optics when you're like a clown with a with a uh, homemade sign on construction paper, right? Like the, <laughs> the it's not printed. Yeah, so bad. Childish. Well, I gotta say the, the sort of outfits that Hammer has designed for his gang. Don't sound so outrageous now. Before I thought, oh, right, real bad. But okay, well, let's let's see what Hammer describes the uniform as. Now our colors are going to be red and black. Our our eventual goal, you know, a, a type of dress vest, like you, you'd wear with a suit. Yeah. But but made with leather, but dark red leather, a black button up <laughs> underneath it, black jeans, and we're still arguing whether or not we're going to do. Like the cherry red, uh, you know, oxblood boots or black boots. I like the oxblood boots, okay, but there's some people who don't like them. But clown shoes. We'll see. We'll see. But it's going to be unique. It's going to be our own style. Uh, we're going to do a little wing swastika patch on the front right chest, and we got some other ideas for patches too later on. Maybe like some achievement type patches. Ultimately, I want a uniform that you could go to a formal event wearing. Yeah, a uniform you could go to a formal event wearing. Yeah, sure. Delusional. <laughs> all right, well, first of all, the black shirts, black shirts historically fascist, right? First, The first black shirts were the Italians, I think, uh, Mussolini thugs. Uh, I think the shirt thing is very weird, right? The silver shirts, the brown shirts, Hitler's thugs. But there will be patches for hammers, chuds to attach to their vest. Leather vest. But they just don't give them away. They gotta, they gotta earn them. 
talked about some achievement patches. Like if you could do a 50 mile run, you get a patch. If you could do, you know, certain MMA achievements, you get a patch. Right. Mm -hmm. And there'd be really hard things like a 1500 pound uh, powerlifting total. For example, if you did something like that, you see some of these really, you see a guy with one or two of these patches on his chest. Like, God damn, that guy is a killing machine. You know what I mean? This guy is like trying to gamify (laughs) fascism. This is so sad. Well, I have a question. Like, do they allow girls in this club? No. No girls allowed. Yeah, definitely not. Not only are no girls allowed, they have kind of like a very strict, like, they can only go out with Aryan women, uh, white women. And the constant complaint is that most white women are liberals. And then um, Hammer just talked about this in a podcast the other day where uh, these guys won't have sex with a vaccinated woman. That narrows it down. It does. It narrows the prospects down. And then he described them not as incels, right? Because incels is involuntarily celibate. They're vol cells. Vol cells. Oh, okay. So they're like monks. Yeah. Yeah, because all these women are chomping at the bit to, you know, hop in the sack with one of these guys. Like, you fucking joking me? Like, come on. They're they're men going their own way, right? Totally. Yeah. Well, you don't think chicks think that the like the Nazi Boy Scout merit badges on their blood red leather vests is a turn on? <laughs> You're not getting a lot of ladies with those. What a surprise! <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, but hold on. Okay, like a fucking idiot. Yeah. So maybe just because you can lift, you have the patch for lifting 1,500 pounds. That's embarrassing. Or we're gonna have officer patches. Every chapter is gonna have five officers only. We're gonna have region. Our regions are going to be broke down in basically like 12-hour drive limits. We want everybody in one region to be within a 12-hour drive. A chapter will have a similar sort of radius. A lot of this has just been ideas that we've been cultivating for some years now, just figuring out how we want to do it and mostly dreaming, dude. First of all, I want your thoughts on the Blood Tribe's new uniform, the vest, the pants, the boots. I think it's very original. Uh, I think that the vest sound very classy um how old are these recruits he's trying to get you know are we talking about yeah, they're all 20s and 30s 20s and 30s 20s and 30s yeah see that's what's interesting about some of these groups now like the proud boys is they seem to be sort of trying to recruit older people like traditionally these nazis are trying to get teenagers right like you know but these guys but these guys seem to think that there's going to be a lot of like grown men that are going to join them. Do you guys know what happened to Vic with the Proud Boys? Did you ever hear this story before? Oh, the guy showed up at his house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Vic Berger, video editor, uh, works with Tim and Eric and stuff uh, on tour with Tim Heidecker right now in uh, Europe, actually, for music stuff. He has done a lot of work, um, along with myself, to fight the Proud Boys online, and he would make video edits of Gavin McGinnis um, and other Proud Boys that would get a lot of traction online and would make fun of them. Um, and they got really pissed off at Vic because of this. The Proud Boy that ultimately, because of these videos and a long string of events, uh, showed up to Vic's home. He was like, he was in his 50s or so. He lived in Massachusetts and just like had a lot of time on his hands and was just fucking deep in the Proud Boys. Those people, I think, um, they're willing to do the more extreme things, maybe. Relive their, like, fraternity days or whatever and get some sense of youth. But it's like, 
those guys, there's definitely, there's been a presence of those older guys in these groups for a while, I feel like, and they're never good news or anything. Hammer does not want the oldies. Yeah. Okay. Hammer wants these guys. He wants you to be able to run an hour without stopping. Okay. Cause he's a Marine. He was, um, he's physically fit. all roided up. I can't believe how many roided photos I've seen. A lot of these guys are on roids, right? And they work out in the gym and they're huge, but you know, that doesn't help in battle, uh, lugging around that carcass. Uh, and then think about how more expensive the shirts are when your necks are that big, right? Like <laughs> if you're going to get these nice black shirts and your neck is like size 28, do you know how expensive a size 28 shirt Not is? Good. Never thought of it. Yeah. It's, it's expensive to have a big neck like that. <laughs> Back to Hammer's plans. Whenever his blood tribe is going to show up at a protest, he says, they're going to dominate the protest with sound and visuals, right? So these uniformed armed thugs, they show up with megaphones and chants, and they throw the Roman salute. And it's just to be loud and to intimidate the normies, to, to, to scare them. He says he's hoping the blood tribe gets together a drum corps. Yes, a neo-Nazi drum corps. What do you think about that? Neo-Nazi drum corps, noise of warfare. How's that going to work? Good luck. I mean, Nazis aren't really known for their musical ability, uh, aside from Screwdriver and Eric Clapton. So, <laughs> you know. I don't see any anywhere it's going, and anybody who has any musical talent, you know, like remember Prussian Blue, the those young blonde girls who played white power music, and then they realized their parents were assholes and renounced their political views. Young blonde Aryan girls being groomed for to to do things like this to rally up the troops. Oh, very much. Yeah, the drum corps noise. Uh, Nathan, thoughts on that? Uh, we'll probably sound like shit. Yeah, not good, most likely. <laughs> Won't attract many members. I mean, if if their if their goal is to just be loud, I mean, I'm sure they can do that. But it's not going to be like a military parade. <laughs> it's going to be disruptive. Yeah, it'll be it'll be disruptive. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to be some. Yeah, if that's like, his goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they would really love to be able to do marches. I mean, these guys, some of them, uh, like hammer were actually in the marines and are able to march like myself a veteran of the united states coast guard i'm able to march i think that if i had advice to protesters that are going to be dealing with these guys you should be carrying hearing protection right because they've got the bullhorns right yeah and when these guys show up if hammer and his boys show up i'd put in my earplugs and then i'd wear like hearing protection earmuffs and then i'd go right up to the front of the line okay and I'd be carrying a, an air horn. You know what I'm talking about? The little air horn. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'd go right up to the front where the Nazi with the bullhorn is. And I've got my double hearing protection on. And I would just start blasting into his <laughs> microphone. Right? <laughs> because hopefully my allies would have their earplugs in. But the Nazis, they're strong Aryan men. <laughs> they don't need hearing protection. Right? And... They've got to exactly, and they've got to hear the others to chant in unison. So I think the air horn through the megaphone would be very disruptive, very irritating. I think that might mm. be a way to disrupt them. It's a good idea. Yeah, we should patent that, and maybe we get air cans that we put the disinfomaniacs logo on. <laughs> <laughs> 
and we can uh, give those to the Patreon sponsors. Just call it the crash horn or something like get it out there. They're lucky I don't want to chase them around because that's my thing. It's like I would infiltrate them just to know where they're going. You don't need a horn to scare them, though. You're just intimidating in general. I feel like you're a big dude. Well, I think that hammer, uh, his steroids makes him a little bit bigger than me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Only because of the steroids. Anyways, all right, for a minute, I just want to go back and show the depth of Hammer's organizing abilities, especially uh, Andy is an organizer. Nathan, you work with teams. You know how hard it is to get people together. So I want to see what his secret was because they threw this thing together real quick and they were on literally international news, right? So this is the Wadsworth, Ohio, March 11th protest. And this was just a couple of weeks after the feds ran hammer out of Maine uh, temporarily. And in March, we're in early March, he was headed to get this, a surprise birthday party uh, for one of his Ohio branch of the blood tribe fellas. So imagine (laughs) that, a, a birthday party. Is that like a Patreon reward or something like that? Like, you know, Cole House shows up at your birthday party or jumps out of a cake. <laughs> oh, you're, you've been just such a good boy. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, at the surprise party, the Chuds told their boss about the upcoming drag story hour protest. And they like begged him to stay like, Hammer, please stay. Lead them. Lead us. Because a couple months before, these guys tried to do a protest without hammer and it went real bad okay it didn't get any attention i actually saw a video of their first rally uh before it was deleted from their telegram channel and it was really sad okay it was like mismatch outfits and they they were marching poorly and their swastika flags were unironed and it looks like they just came out of the bag the shipping bag so that got him some mockery on the 4chan boards, right? Where like everyone says, oh, look, these guys are feds because their swastika flags have creases in it, right? So <laughs> they just set themselves up. <laughs> well, they they were they didn't have a leader, okay? And I, I know it sounds like I'm making fun of them, but they went and they protested at this event and that never made the news. And the video got deleted before I was able to scrape it. But I had taken a screenshot of it, of the church they were protesting at, because I wanted to reverse image search it to see if I could figure out where it was. And it wasn't the one that was in Columbus, Ohio, in the fall of 2022, because I was able to pinpoint the location of it. It was a totally different thing. And nobody showed up other than the blood tribe of Ohio. So then they got hammer comes for the birthday party and he's going to like whip them into shape. Okay. They wanted their ragtag bunch to be like transformed into a, a Vanguard unit, you know, Vanguard that could strike fear in the hearts of normies. So hammer had a week to whip them into shape. And on the podcast, he explained that he decided to buy some really strong dowels and he spray-painted them so they looked like flagpoles. So they were wooden dowels, and then he had ordered little eagle, like, flagpole toppers off of Amazon, and he bought a megaphone, and then he started talking with the fellas about getting matching red T-shirts screen-printed with the Blood Tribe logo. But his Ohio boy said, hey, dude, it's March. It's still too cold for T-shirts. So they decided to get these, like, red sweatshirts. 
instead. And they paid for this six-foot-long professional, there will be blood banner that Hammer designed. And he taught his chuds various chants that they shouted and they practiced their Roman salutes until what they call crisp. They always call them crisp. You want your Roman salute to be crisp, okay? But Gestapo-like. Anyways, then they piled into a rental van and drove 10 minutes to the site of the rally in Ohio. Now, no one had known that the Blood Tribe was going to be there. And suddenly, they just, like, appeared. And they were really loud and, like, strong, you know, with guns and flags and chanting. So they had, like, this element of surprise. And their unexpected appearance frightened people, obviously. The organizers, their allies, which ended up empowering the Chuds. Um, I'll tell you what, my guys are on fire after that action last weekend. They can't wait for some more. It was like it gave them a huge dopamine spike that they're not used to, and they just got to get some more. You know what I mean? Okay. Thoughts on that, fellas? Yeah, sad. This, this is, I guess, but this is what these people do, though. It's not just them. They just a lot of these people go to these drag story hours or is protest this stuff. This is, I guess what they do on the weekends or something and this guy is a trainer for them it's a that's a sad sad way to live i gotta say yeah he's like a corporate trainer yeah exactly <laughs> it's like not he's like going around training the people that show up at drag story hours or protest whatever they think is happening it's yeah it's that's bleak not good man i feel like these guys are going to quickly shift from drag story hours to trump being indicted and oh absolutely that being their next uh you know, public display. Tough to say, though, because they're not big fans of Trump. No. And actually, let me play this next cut. This is why they want Trump to get elected. Uh, I'm hoping that Trump gets elected and we get a whole four years of the same protest on every weekend. All these different leftists seething and crying in different locations that we can then raid and uh, show up presence and get out. I think that would be super huge for us. Essentially, the best thing we can do is go to a pre-existing thing that's already got a ton of people, cops, protesters on both sides, everything, and just ruin everybody's fucking day. Right? That's his plan. Wow. Yeah, that's a good plan. Good plan, actually, if you want to be a fucking fascist organizer. Like, yeah, I think that'll work, though, right? It's the perfect distillation of right-wing ideology, ruining everyone's fucking day. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's all they stand for. That's all they want to do. And I just think people are getting tired of it, you know? I mean, I just, I don't know where he's going with this except to be an obnoxious asshole everywhere he goes. <laughs> it could end up the baked Alaska route. I mean, we have to, we'll have to see how much traction he gets in terms of making the media. Right. If he's a big enough moron to really be face planning a lot and just making a fool of himself while he tries to do these sorts of stunts, you know, the execution is huge and he could just totally botch it. And yeah, he'll go, he'll go down and is just one of the grifters in the, the kind of just constant flow of these guys that come through the right wing movement that are legitimate Nazis um, and then turn into influencers or whatever. Um, then obviously they get to a point where they peak and just bomb. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's somewhere on that trajectory right now. It seems like um, 
we'll see when he crashes because uh, it seems inevitable at some point. I, I don't think he'll crash on his own accord. I think we have to help it along somehow. <laughs> I think that. Oh, yeah. The attention, attention, like getting a bit of attention and everything, you know, it always starts like that's just the, the start of it. Um, but, yeah, it seems like he's organizing some viral Nazi idiot events. It's not good. And this whole idea of the swastika flag, which we talked a lot about in the last episode, the power of the swastika. It's it's like they're getting behind this very hated, abhorrent thing because they know it's going to trigger the libs. I would love to see some way to almost uh, depower the swastika. Like these chads show up at an event, like uh, go up to them and say, oh, my goodness, what a loser. You've got to, like, you guys know the Nazis are losers, right? Like, mock them. Don't be afraid when these guys show up with swastikas. Imagine how shitty their lives must be that they're spending the weekends holding the swastika flag and tell them that. Yeah, that's how I would deal with it. Because he is smart. In some ways, he's an idiot. Many ways, he's an idiot. But he's smart because that's the oldest PR trick in the book. Use somebody else's crowd, right, to just to spread your message. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Yep. And I and I think that I mean swastikas are like the one thing that you can throw out there to say like this person is racist when you're debating with conservatives. <laughs> you know, if somebody uses the N word and they or they attack Jewish people or they use a swastika, like that, those are the things you can pin them down on. And and <laughs> it's still never going to be not taboo to yep. do this shit. Oh, well, he says if it becomes taboo, if it gets illegal, if like we pass laws to make the swastika illegal, then they've got their, we talked about this last show, their eagle swastika that he designed and is available <laughs> for sale at his website. Oh, man. It, it's a swastika with feathers. But remember, we're not his market, right? Yeah. His market yeah. are a handful of chuds looking for. Something, and I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him more right now. Okay, I think you have a good idea of what his plans are, and we want to talk about his plans because I say I'll say it a million times. We're not platforming him. We're saying, hey, look, this is the guy's plans. He's he's saying this on these extreme podcasts that nobody else will listen to, and we find him saying this is our tactic. So I say to people in Antifa and and who uh, uh, their allies. Listen, they've—they're gonna do this, right? Where these guys are gonna try to come and disrupt things. So you gotta be prepared, okay? And it's not with violence. It's not with violence at all. It's with mockery, okay? Yeah. But I, I want to go back to these podcasts because he also discussed his personal life, which I found some of it to be very revealing. First of all, he was born and raised in a middle-class white, hardcore. Pentecostal Christian house in Baltimore. And his maternal grandfather, he says, founded seven churches on the East Coast, right? Pentecostal. Yikes. Where else do we see the Pentecostals now? Oh, the Pentecostals are not only backing Trump, they're backing people like Duterte in the Philippines and uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil. Uh, it's, it's a global fascist movement. If it isn't already obvious from Hammer and his behavior and his love for Hitler that the dude has daddy issues. Hammer confirmed it during his interviews. He actually said that he has issues with his father because his father, he viewed his father as disabled and weak. Apparently, 
Hammer's father had always been that way. It was a result of like an embolism, like a brain embolism that his father experienced as a 10-year-old boy when he was on a hunting trip like 60 years ago. So according to Hammer, his father is like really slow and staggers and limps, kind of like drags one limb behind him, barely able to walk his entire life. He's never seen his father as like an able-bodied man. And the result of his father's disability was that, Hammer claims, his father didn't teach him how to be a man. He said it several times. Hammer was a devout Christian. He was like a youth group leader, okay? And then he moved from Baltimore to Mississippi as a teenager, and his parents got divorced. And both of his parents instantly remarried and stayed in the Pentecostal church. And he was like a heavy metal kid in high school, but heavy metal, devout Christian, all right? Christian metal. Christian metal? Maybe. Could be. There is a genre of that. Um, anyways, he quit high school, 10th grade, ended up enlisting in the Marines, served two years in Japan, another two in California, never saw combat, only served four years, but he claims he's getting about a $1,500 a month monthly pension, and he needs to do five or six tattoos, and he has enough to get by. All right, but let's talk about his political development. Any guesses on what political philosophy this future Nazi became enamored with back in 2005 as a young Marine? 100% libertarianism agreed libertarian for sure that's right libertarian okay andy i know you have an old adage about the tree of liberty what what is that that joke well i mean if you shake the tree of liberty inevitably a nazi falls out you know how many of these nazi pricks came from the ron paul movement we got you know the former Jackman Town Manager, Tom Kaczynski, Stuart Rhodes, uh, Chris Cantwell, the crying Nazi of Charlottesville. Uh, you know, I think many of them became attracted to libertarianism because they hate the government programs and they think they disproportionately help women and people of color. But then they realize somewhere along the line that they would be screwed if a libertarian utopia ever came into being because society would devolve into warlordism with a handful of trillionaires with their own private security forces controlling the Earth's resources. So they focus what they really want, which is an authoritarian society where straight white men like them are on top and everyone else is either eliminated or totally subjugated to second-class citizens. It's the libertarian to Nazi pipeline. It, it's <laughs> inevitably. Okay, well, he was inspired by Stefan Molyneux. Nathan, how about him? Molyneux, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, uh, a product of the libertarian to fascist pipeline for sure. Um, so he's a Canadian race scientist, and he became more fascist during the Trump years, or at least more open about it. But he's basically a cult leader um, from the get-go. He first got popular by doing podcasts that encourage children to ostracize their families completely and essentially follow him uh, as a some sort of truth guru, just pure cult leader stuff. He got propped up in 2010 um, by Alex Jones, which brought him more into the mainstream, just conspiracy worlds. Uh, and he moved from more of being a libertarian conspiracy theorist to just a far-right ethno-nationalist by 2016 when Trump was around. Um, he was a big part of the initial, you know, whole alt-right sphere of influence during that initial Trump election run with, you know, people like Mike Cernovich, Jack Posibik, uh, Alex Jones, uh, Lauren Southern, Richard Spencer, that whole crew of people that 
was kind of a meshed in the beginning of 2016. Uh, Stefan was right there with them. Um, he's a Canadian though. Uh, so, you know, his interest in American politics is really to spread race, science, white ethno-nationalism. Uh, some quotes from Stefan that kind of speak to that ideology. Uh, 2015, this is a YouTube video called The Death of Europe, um, European Migrant Crisis. You cannot run a high IQ white society with low IQ non-white people. These non-white immigrants are going to fail and they're just they're not just going to fail little. They're going to fail hard. They're not staying on welfare because they're lazy. They're, they're doing what is economically the best option for them. You are importing a gene set that is incompatible with success in a free market economy. So that's that's Stefan in 2015. Uh, by 2016, he's doing interviews with Jared Taylor, a famous Nazi. Uh, so this is a, a quote from a YouTube interview with Jared Taylor called An Honest Conversation About Race with Jared Taylor and Stefan Molyneux. Stefan goes, the fomenting of anti-white hatred is extremely strong and very toxic and very dangerous. And I can't help but think, Jared, that if I lived in a society of only white people, then the giant fly swatter of shut up, whitey, you're a racist could never be used against me. We could actually have debates about ideas rather than ethnicity. We could actually have debates where reason and argument could win. And of course, it's not like all white people are rational. Of course not, right? But the reality is that is that the giant thermonuclear strike of "you're a racist" could not be brought to be to, could not be brought to bear in the debate or in the discussion. And I got to tell you, that's kind of tempting in a lot of ways because if other people are unwilling to drop the race card, I'm not sure I want to play that game anymore. So. I mean, just a blatant Nazi um, white nationalist. Yeah, I don't know what I, I don't know what other way you can read kind of those quotes, essentially. He's kind of a gateway drug. Yeah, cult leader. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cult leader and has a huge YouTube following. So, yeah, he's a, definitely a gateway into, um, you know, potentially people like Hammer. Who, who's his target? Like, who's he looking for? How old? I mean, with the with the beginning stuff being a cult leader, he was definitely targeting kids, you know, young people, teenagers, even trying to convince them to leave their family. And he's putting out prolifically. I mean, just this is from his SPLC um, profile. Molyneux has been extremely prolific in his output, publishing well over 1000 podcasts and videos over the past 13 years. So he's just pumping out content um, for young people. Yeah. To to disown. He wanted them to disown their family um, and gain freedom and follow him. Um, yeah. So that's doing a lot of bad YouTube content. Definitely a gateway drug. Rigging groomers. Groomer, 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 groomer. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. So, so Hammer definitely fell into that because of the year 2005 and onward. He was following Molyneux, who's also a big fanboy of Chris Cantwell. And this is long before Charlottesville in 2017. Andy, how about an explainer on Cantwell? Christopher Cantwell. He was a good buddy of uh, former Jackman Town manager Tom Kaczynski. Uh, he's a neo-Nazi and a federal informant from Keene, New Hampshire, uh, who became famous for being in a Vice documentary about Charlottesville. Uh, shortly after the rally, Cantwell published a video in which he wept while sharing that he had learned there was a warrant out for his arrest. So he became known uh, after that as the crying Nazi of Charlottesville. Um, <clears throat> later on, uh, he was sentenced to three years and five months in prison. 
uh, on charges stemming from telegram messages he sent to a member of a rival neo-Nazi group in which he threatened to rape the man's wife in front of his children uh, if he did not give Cantwell information about the identity of another member of the group. And apparently he was released uh, from custody on December 19th, 2022, which I just learned. Oh, no, I knew that. I've been watching some of his stuff. So he's back. He's back on the street. Yeah, I saw a telegram post by him where he's like, I went back and listened to some of my old Radical Agenda. The name of his podcast was Radical Agenda, thinking that, oh, boy, I was a dumb young kid. But then I listened to it. I'm like, no, I'm real smart. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and here's another detail, because I went over those Cantwell documents, the ones that uh, came out uh, when the feds busted them because that was a federal bus because it was interstate threatening. So the details always in those police affidavits are always very interesting. So he was playing on his Nintendo Pokemon, Pokemon, what is it? Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon Go. (laughs) Yeah, Pokemon Go on his Nintendo. And he was in his tidy whiteies <laughs> when they came oh, in. No, and they kicked the door in. And he's playing. Cantwell was. Cantwell, yeah. Cantwell was <laughs> in bed and keen. And his apartment is like trashed with like like broken wine bottles and shit like that. And the feds <laughs> kick in the door, and uh, he'd been under surveillance for a while. They actually have photos of him like going out to his car and putting stuff in the secret compartment underneath his car. It was like a box welded. You'd like hide his gun and stuff in there. Anyway, so kick in the door and he's playing a video game in the middle of the night. And he thinks he's being like extradited black ops style. He has no idea that it's just the FBI bringing him to like the Keene police station for interrogation. But they throw him like in the back of a van. They're all like in gear and stuff like that. And he's like, I'm going to be on a flight to like Cuba or something. <laughs> Oh, he was really scared. He was like really scared. What I remember about Chris Cantwell was seeing him on the Colbert Report, like back in many, many years ago. I, I guess it may have been like 2014. And he was, and this is when he was involved in sort of a free state project affiliated. Oh, wait a minute. The parking meter thing, right? Is this park? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So they were they were they were totally mocked in this segment, but they were they, they were lampooned as brave patriots who are fighting back against government overreach by harassing meter maids. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, yeah, yeah you used to harass meter maids. Good one, Andy. I forgot about that one. Okay, we're laughing here though, right? Because these guys are morons. But so far, I've heard Hammer explain that he said, you know, uh, Cantwell motivated him. Ron Paul inspired him, Stephen Molyneux, and he also said that a prominent libertarian, another prominent libertarian who happens to be Jewish, personally red-pilled him into being a Nazi in 2017, okay? So this guy, Hammer claims, told him the Holocaust was a hoax. Now, obviously, that's a shocker because most Jewish people don't think the Holocaust is a hoax. And... Hammer name names. The name is Adam Kokesh. Okay, I know that both of you are kind of aware of this guy. You've seen and heard this guy, Adam Kokesh, because he's a kind of a prominent libertarian. This guy is definitely far right libertarian. In fact, he tried to get the Libertarian Party presidential nomination in 2020. Okay, and Kokesh said if he won as president, the very first thing he would have done was sign an executive order dismantling the United States of America. That was his first thing as president. 
I'm on board, actually. That sounds pretty fucking good. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, well, he's been arrested several times for stuff you can read about online. I mean, he's not like a criminal criminal. He's done like protests and stuff. It, some of it was actually involving mushrooms, but uh, he was using for mental health reasons. But anyways, he's like this hard right libertarian. He's almost a sovereign citizen. Uh, okay. And oddly enough, just like Hammer, he has his own plans for a 10-acre micronation, okay? And his place is called Gardenia. Oh, gosh. And it actually seems a little bit further along, Gardenia, okay? It's it's been in existence I, I, at least as far back as 2015, I think. And it has a cabin on it and other, you know, primitive structures, but structures. And he seems to have a lot more cash than Hammer, right? Because Hammer doesn't have much, and Hammer doesn't have anything on his land yet. Kokesh's homesteads in Arizona in the mountains. He has like lots of equipment and campers and trucks and trailers and like a forty foot tall tower he just bought, right? To to do like this like lookout tower. Because it's a, a micronation. He says he'll take people in, issue passports, all this other stuff. Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> a ten acre micronation in Arizona Mountains. He also has a giant pile of old tires on the property that he planned to use to build an earthship house. Uh, these earthship houses are this kind of like supposedly reclaiming refuse or uh, old tires to build like good housing out of. You, you cut the tires in half, fill them with mud, and you use them as bricks, okay? <laughs> like mud-filled rubber bricks, <laughs> okay? It's a building technique, and apparently it's a lot of work. So basically, his plans to build this giant earthship house on this mountain in Arizona failed, and now he's got this like ton of old tires. It's just funny how like these libertarians keep trying to come up with new ideas for little colonies and nation states, and they're totally against collectivism. They can't cooperate, so it always just devolves into just infighting and, and pettiness. And, you know, this one sounds a little bit more, uh, you know, feasible than seasteading, I guess. But <laughs> good luck. Yeah, I, it made me think of seasteading, actually. Yeah. And uh, for the listeners, they should look at we're not going to go into seasteading right now. We'll try that another time. OK, so, well, here's the thing, though. I, I think these libertarians like set up these things where the, it's going to be like this co-op. But actually, it's whoever owns the land. Remember, because there's like ownership right. stuff that like right. weird ownership stuff is actually the feudal lord and these other people. And we're going to hit back to that ah, topic yes. in a second. Monarchist. Yeah, he's monarchist. Kokesh was a monarchist. Just like Tom K, we'll get on that. <laughs> Anyways, so I reached out to Kokesh, right? And I uh, to ask him about Hammer's allegations that he was the red pillar of now an infamous neo-Nazi, right? And initially, he denied knowing Polhouse. But then I sent him these older photos of Hammer. Kokesh recognized him, but he didn't recognize him as Hammer or Chris Polhouse. He recognized him as a anarchist tattooist with another name. And this name was Chris Rage. Okay. Chris Rage. And that's Chris with a K and two S's. K R I S S Rage. All right. So, anyways, that was a tattoo artist. And uh, Kokesh denies that he was a Holocaust denier and he denies red pilling Hammer on the Holocaust. But he did admit that Hammer gave him. This really bad back tattoo. I sent you guys photos. Did you check that out? It's a huge piece. 
yes. on the guy's back. Yeah, it looks horrible. Yeah, it's, it's got Kokesh's Freedom logo inked on his back, okay? Uh, that's his flag, by the way, in a book cover, I believe. That's the Freedom flag on his back. Uh, totally out of date, I'd imagine. Like, does he still have that logo? Because they're always inventing new. No, I think he's kept it. I've seen flags on the land of that logo. And other people, their T-shirts, other people have gotten smaller tattoos of it, but he went the full 10 yards. And they did that, get this, in one day. They did it all at once. So they live streamed the first 10 minutes of it. It's back in 2017, okay? Yeah. Uh, but it was only 10 minutes because the pain became too much for Kokesh to continue joking about it. Like, he was kind of joking about it, right? And, like, he's like, oh, he's really grunting and then it's like they have to go off the air because it was just going to go on forever so uh kokesh obviously he doesn't want to be linked to hammer because he's disappointed that hammer had become get this fellas he's disappointed that hammer had become a leftist Mm. (laughs) i love how these libertarians always call nazis like they're collectivists uh, or a leftist you know it's like what a statist yeah that seems to be almost a standard now right because i think you mentioned earlier national socialist right so they're like oh look they're socialists it's in their name right but i mean like what do libertarians want this any different i mean really in the end oh god don't even get me going with the libertarians want it's so friggin' boring oh my god it's so boring <laughs> it's so boring anyways so this guy thinks nazis are leftists whatever okay Kokesh claims that he was recently reawakened to his Jewish heritage and he didn't want to be connected to this neo-Nazi, okay? Um, because Kokesh says because of legal and personal issues, he's retreated from public life because he was really public. Yeah. Like he had a show on RT, Russian television, yeah. right? Adam versus the man. Yeah, Molyneux was on that all the time. Those It was that crowd of people for sure. Ugh. Uh, guys we already talked about, Cantwell was on it. Richard Spencer was on it. Billy Roper was on it. So here's a, a a Jewish libertarian interviewing and platforming neo-Nazis. Wow. I, I never saw that show. I'm really glad I didn't. It sounds awful. Now we're seeing. Yeah, it was canceled. Uh, there was there was some uh, mini scandal. The guy's life is filled with mini scandals, right? He just has a bunch of things. It's constant. It must be exhausting. That's all I can think of. Yeah, totally. When I was looking him up, I'm like, Oh my goodness. It's like, he, it, you know, women break up with him and it becomes a big thing. He goes through the latest phase of whatever. Anyways, he says he's retreated from public life, except for he's, you know, trying to start this mini nation, micro nation. And get this, he's entwined in the case of one of the Oath Keepers, a guy named Edward Vallejo, who was convicted in January of seditious conspiracy for his role in J6. He was one of those chuds stockpiling weapons in the Comfort Inn just outside of D.C., <laughs> yeah. Virginia, right? More libertarians. <laughs> no, no. They had stockpiled all these weapons, and they brought them in, in like totes into the rooms in Comfort Inn. I've seen the photos of it, the surveillance cameras or whatever, the, the motel surveillance camera. And they were waiting for Oath Keeper Stuart Rose to say, bring in the weapons, because they were bringing the weapons to arm the insurrectionists. So it turns out Vallejo is a pal of Kokesh, and before his conviction, he was living on and helping out around Kokesh's micronation homestead. Okay, so you got a J6 Oath Keeper as your second-in-command guy. But no matter... 
He says he's retiring from public life. Anyways, he was a bad influence on Hammer, right? So we got a bunch of real winners here. They Back to Hammer, we're talking his early 30s, okay? After he got out of the Marines, he was a tattoo artist, Chris Rage. He was decadent. He did all sorts of stuff, and he starts this really bad kind of like shit-posting Instagram account. Memes, reposts, okay? Just, it got real popular. It was your standard racist garbage. Just garbage, garbage, garbage. He'd get canceled. They'd, they'd cancel his Instagram because of the racism, and he'd start a new one, and within like a week, he'd have 5,000 viewers again. It was just, the, you know, the market, the audience is out there for the garbage. And then one day, I work, he decides to hit like the Instagram live button, and he started podcasting, okay? Then Instagram, too normie for him. He shifted over to Telegram, started a podcast called Hammer Stream. And soon, Hammer was like wicked popular with the Nazis and all these other losers interviewing all the movers and shakers, further indoctrinating others and himself all the time. He kept on red-pilling himself. Okay, fellas thought on his path from libertarian to Nazi. It's not terribly shocking. <laughs> I feel like if he's trying to be this influencer guy, then there's so many like proof cases of how these Nazi influencers uh, just kind of have a steep incline, which will probably happen to him at some point. And then he's just going to, he's going to crash down. It, it, we'll see if he lasts until like 2024, but yeah, it seems like his path, you know, to get here. Yeah. Like Andy said, it's a lot of libertarian to Nazi uh, pipeline. And a lot of people fail at the end of that pipeline. And we're not even talking about his heritage issue that we brought up in the beginning of the show. We're just talking about the normal kind of flow of libertarian to Nazi to doxing. And he was already doxed so long ago, right? That's why he's out. That's why he's so public about it. And he recommends to his comrades in the movement, do not do what I do. Try to keep your identity secret. That's what he's all about. He's like, I'm out. I might as well be the crazy guy and be the punching bag. But he encourages his posse to like, they're going to be covered up. You're not going to be able to see arm tattoos or anything. Because that's how a lot of times these guys get identified is through their ink, right? right. And uh, so they're not going to have any skin visible. All right. I also learned a little bit more about Hammer's face and cranium tattoo. We discussed it briefly in part one, but he identifies as a Norse pagan. And his tattoo is a rune, a Norse hieroglyphic. It's about eight inches long and spells out vertically... Wu-Tan, who, like we said last time, is Odin, the Norse god of war, also the destroyer. But in one of the podcast conversations, he revealed more about his personal feelings about Odin. I look at Hitler and I personally find that at bare minimum, you can't say he wasn't channeling Wu-Tan. I, I think that's definitely foolish. But I personally go with the fact that I believe that he was an incarnation of Wu-Tan. I find it really hard to say that, you know, to, to completely dismiss Wotan's presence from his life, right? is clearly there to me. I put him and Wotan in the same place in my heart, if that makes sense, right? When I'm praying to one, I'm praying to both. And uh, I think I've gotten a lot of value from that. And I have experienced some spiritual growth from thinking this way and praying this way, etc., so this is this is like esoteric Hitlerism, right? This whole like 
creating, uh, making Hitler into like a demigod or something. That's exactly what we're up against. Esoteric Hitlerism, where they think he's a Norse god or, or channeling the Norse god. Okay, one more thing. Longtime Maine Chud watchers, of course, know that Hammer is not the first neo-Nazi in recent years who wanted to set up an all-white ethno-state in Maine. Most recently, it was Tom Kaczynski. Tom K., we've mentioned him a lot during this episode, former Jackman Town Manager that Andy and I exposed back in 2017. That's when he started his new Albion project, encouraging racists from across America to move to Maine. And our occasional reporting on Tom K. over the years, obviously, stymied much of his efforts, but Maine's a pretty big place, especially for New England. So you got to wonder, is there room for two white ethnostates in northern Maine But before we decide that, let me chart out Tom K's path and progress for a minute. First, when he didn't cuck after being fired from Jackman in 2017, he was cause celeb briefly because he became this like white ethnostate leader, hanging out with David Duke, Cantwell, Billy Roper. He founded a political party. He ran for Republican presidential candidate against Trump. I don't know if you guys remember that brief run for president. Oh, yes. (laughs) He quit only after losing an online presidential debate with Augustus Sol Invictus. Failed. Right. So who's Augustus Sol Invictus, who was another pagan Nazi with presidential ambitions, he had to bow out after getting arrested for, like, holding his wife hostage. Anyways, after quitting the presidential race, Tom Kay pivoted to becoming the monarch of a new nation, rising from the shambles of the Civil War, the Second Civil War, and it would consist of Maine, Quebec, and New Brunswick, which Tom K. would become the king of, okay? King Tom Kaczynski. Then in 2020, when the pandemic hit, he pivoted again. First COVID expert, then COVID denier. And then he switched careers again, founded an end times church in Eagle Lake in his house, in this nasty, dirty house. And that church was called the Sons of Dust Ministries. And all the time, he was consistent with only one message, that racist white people should join him in Maine, and if possible, to the tiny town of the Eagle Lake, though that never caught on, thankfully. Anyways, I have some good news for you, fellas, and I, I'm sorry that took so long, but I wanted to give the context of Tom K's career in Maine. I've been sitting on this news for about a month. Kaczynski announced on Telegram that he and his wife were leaving Maine, packing all their belongings into a shipping container and moving to... Israel. No, not Israel. Uh, I don't know, Wyoming or somewhere? They are really anti-American now, anti-Maine. Arctic, maybe? One last chance. Where where do like white supremacist neo-Nazis move to? In another hemisphere, maybe? Uh, Russia? Is he going to Russia? No. Argentina. Uh... They're moving to Argentina. Yes. Argentina, what? Within the year, they plan to set up house in Argentina, okay? Uh... They're putting it all in the shipping container and going down to Argentina. How are they getting visas for Argentina? <laughs> I don't know. He claims it's going to be all okay. That guy's going to burn to a crisp in the sun down there. I know. Are they going to be able to send his disability checks yeah, down he's there? he's not going to last. Yeah, how the hell are they going to live? It's, yeah, that doesn't... You could pull it off if you return to the United States every six months. You know, there's the type of people... You can collect disability or any pension from the United States government anywhere as long as you return to the States every six months. Ah, mm. okay. But that gets very expensive. I mean, from Argentina. So he's bragging that he's going to Argentina, his little cult. They're all like, oh my goodness, I can't believe Tom K's leaving Maine. He's going to Argentina. He's like, yeah, sorry, I'm done with America, done with Maine. 
Um, I predict they make it as far as Pennsylvania. That's where my <laughs> guess is. Make it. Yeah, that would make more sense. They're not getting there. Yeah. I, I think you're right. So compared to uh, Tom K, though, Hammer seems better prepared to pull off his 10 acres in Penobscot County because he's got like the ability to work. He's apparently has a tractor. He claims he has a tractor. He's got a bunch of little Nazi slaves coming up compared to Tom K wanting to be declared king of New Albion. It seems like uh, Hammer's homesteading is a little bit easier. So any quick reaction to Tom K leaving? See you later. Uh, I mean, it's about time. You know, I, I, I couldn't believe he stayed this long with scheme after scheme, just failing miserably. I was like, what are you doing, man? He moved from Jackman to Greenville to Eagle Lake. I mean, by the end, he was like living in a hovel right? with like, like chicken shit all over the floor. Like he had chickens living in his house. Yeah, I was about to say, wasn't he living in like chaos and squalor? Yeah. Like he was living in squalor. It sounded sickly. <laughs> yeah. Chickens in the house, chickens in the house, all over the place. Chicken, chicken, chicken. I was like, this is the last days. Like, I thought that he was just, that was it. Like, he was done. The shit was everywhere. It was a shit house. Kind of reminds you of, uh, uh, you know, uh, George Lincoln Rockwell and living in squalor in the end. Yeah. Yes. But Tom K, during the, we had a really uh, cold spell in the middle of this winter where everybody like brought in their animals or whatever. Somebody in Tom K's chat, asked Tom K what he did with his chickens during the cold snap. And Tom K said, well, we brought all 25 of them into the bathroom and just let them live in there. That's disgusting. (laughs) That's 25 chickens living in your tub. Then you're going to go take a bath in there. (laughs) Plus there's turtles. I don't think he takes baths. I imagine there's going to be a teardown available for sale uh, downtown Eagle Lake shortly because no one's ever going to want to live in that thing again yeah they just want to let like nature reclaim it you know spray some hydro <laughs> seed on it yeah. and just let yeah. it <laughs> exactly go back let it rot tom k don't let the door hit you on the way out all right why don't you listen to one more piece of tape from hammer's interview this past week where he explains how the blood tribe will be used as intimidation as a weapon during the ohio protest okay i think it explains the strategy in a nutshell And perhaps if we're able to disseminate these details, it could help groups and their allies deal with the blood tribe if they turn up at an event. If you saw the edit we made of the Paracel Patrol people, there's the event coordinators, there's the drag queen, there's the parents bringing their kids. Obviously, all those people are we're screaming at too but the paracel patrol people are the ones that bring the umbrellas with the rainbows to uh, to basically keep the kids from seeing the protesters as they walk in they've been doing this for years and if you watch their the the edit that uh we made of them you'll hear all they're basically saying we've never been this afraid they didn't want to leave their hotel room so uh it was amazing in that sense, too, just good timing, hitting the right target first. I think one thing, too, that really was effective, and I, and I want people to adopt um, other groups and whatever, is the, the noise. The noise that we created shook them, and it was constant. I just didn't let any, uh, you know, dry air go, you know, empty air go by. I was screaming the whole time. We were chanting, and we're going to add to our chant list. We're going to have them to where, I, I mean, I don't want the mouths to stop moving. 
my goal is to have a drum line. I want to show up to things with a complete freaking drum line, screaming chants the whole time, singing songs, just monopolizing the air. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I think it'll be great. You know, having guys in step is a good point. I would love to do drill, having them, you know, right face together. Right. Rest. Dude, if you could get it all, you know, wheeled down to a nice show, man, it would be nice. Okay. Well, they intend to be noisy. Thoughts on that? That's their plan. Their plan is to be noisy. There's no, like, roadmap to the Third Reich or something. It's just like, we're going to be noisy and annoy people and yell at them. Yeah, that really is it. Just trigger whoever we can. That re- that's it. It's yeah. I guess it's Nazis. It's from Nazis to ben- like it's like all up and down the line. That's just that's all what they're aligned on. Just being obnoxious in public and embarrassing. Yeah, and we're just going to be so owned that we're all going to roll over, and they're just going to let the tanks roll in, and that's it. That's it. And we're going to be scared of them. You know, too, we're scared of these guys because they're so tough. I think mocking them is the best strategy. Like, oh, man, what what a loser. Uh, We're going to talk about Richard Ward, I think, in the next episode. But I was watching one of the protest uh, footage from the Portland demonstration with Corn Pop and Richard Ward. That might not mean much to people, but you'll know after the next episode. And I saw this young woman totally mocking Corn Pop, like silently, almost, or eye rolls and facial expressions. She totally slayed him and never had to say a word. It was just beautiful. Oh, it was amazing. Okay, so so Hammer told the neo-Nazi dad podcasters that his soon-to-be ex-wife is planning to move to Maine so Hammer can be closer to his kid. So despite him being run out of state temporarily, he says he's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back for the summer. He's going to be living it up. I I question whether he was run out of the state at all. I mean, you know, up being up in Lincoln or Springfield's Bay in in the depths of winter is not a pleasant experience. So he's going to come back when the weather's warm and try to start his little colony. But good luck with that. Yeah, he's coming back. He's doing the he's doing the summer tourist run. He's doing the brewery run. You'll see his face tattoo probably out. Uh. An Allagash or something soon. <laughs> okay, anyways, finish up here. It's all about blood, right? And I just watched this uh, video of he and his gang's initiation into the blood tribe, all right? And they don't take just any chud, by the way. There's lots of vetting, and you got to participate in some actions beforehand. So, like, the junior varsity of the blood tribe is called the Blood Nation, okay? So, until Hammer decides you're ready, and you're vetted by the camps, which is a telegram group. So then the camps vet you, and then Hammer decides you're ready. And then you can, as Blood Nation, you come and do events with them. But then after you've really earned his trust, he invites you to um, slice your palm with the blade of the spear that they have, and then they co-mingle your blood into the same spot on the spear where everybody else's blood is smeared. Okay? So... Anyways, I mentioned the ceremony to my wife, and it reminded her of an episode of the 1970s TV series Grizzly Adams. You guys remember Grizzly Adams, right? I didn't know what he had in mind with that knife, but by now I'd learned to trust him. I realized that Nakomo was performing a ceremony that would make his spiritual brothers, brothers in blood. 
Is he LARPing Grizzly Adams? These guys, the blood drive, have a very similar activity. And if you'll see up on the screen now, fellas, there's this is the preparations table for the ceremony. It's got a bottle of tequila, a bowl with a swastika in it, a horn, a drinking horn, and the what appears to be the Thor's hammer, okay? And apparently they pour the tequila into the horn and drink that. And then here's three of them. This is somewhere where there's snow and they have a campfire. And I, I, I believe it's Wisconsin because he was in Wisconsin after the uh, Ohio thing. And then they had this ceremony where they cut. Did you, can you see that? Look at the hand. Oh, God. Yeah. Holy shit. Pretty gory. Yeah. There's like three or four slices in it. And there's a video. I'm not going to show you the video. But what happened was they were in like this cold, like I said, perhaps Wisconsin night. And this new uh, inductee slices his hand with the spear. And he keeps slicing it. And the blood's not coming out. And after he slices it like the fourth or fifth time, he says, I wonder if it's because my hand is cold that the blood's not coming out. So he goes over the fire and he puts his hand over the fire. He's like rubbing his hand over the fire together. And all of a sudden the blood starts gushing out of all these cuts on his hand. Oh, shit. <laughs> but it makes sense because you know how like you, when your hands get cold, it's like you don't have any, oh, I don't have any circulation. So they're like, anyways, they rub the blood into the spear and they're blood brothers. It's called the Esoteric Order of Blutstamm or Blood Tribe in German. Such LARPers. Totally. They're the biggest LARPers ever. Any final thoughts on this cult and hammer? I don't understand like how he, he can have a base in northern Maine where he wants to trigger so many people because there's not many people that are triggered in Maine. You got to go to other places, you know. You Way can't pull viral stunts like he wants to do the the military um, goose steps or whatever at big Trump rallies where there's lots of protesters and cameras and everything. I don't know where he's going to do that in northern Maine. He's going to go to like the Orono Farmer's Market or something. No, Andy, you'll see him at Lobster Fest in Rockland. Oh, sure. <laughs> He'll be disrupting the parade. With PETA. And yeah, I will be interested to see if what his trajectory is. Uh, basically just how quickly he flames out. But it's not good either way. Well, we should be keeping an eye out for him. If you see any sketchy like Craigslist ads or Facebook Marketplace ads for for tattoos up in up north of Bangor, just beware of that. <laughs> you might want to check to see if it's licensed. I've been in touch with the Maine Center for Disease Control because I was wondering if Hammer had a license to do tattoos because you need a, a license in Maine. He doesn't have a tattoo license. So he's violating uh, Maine law by giving tattoos in Maine. And it, it doesn't seem to be that strict of a penalty at first, but there's fines involved and I don't know what happens after that. How about this, fellas? Maybe I'll hit him up, like, undercover for, like, a swastika tattoo, right? A sting operation. <laughs> and then when he invites me up to Springfield to get the tattooed, I get there and I change my mind. And, like, because I have this lousy shamrock tattoo on my right thigh. <laughs> I thought maybe you could, like, cover it up with a pig. I wouldn't let that guy touch you with any needles. I'd say that much. You know, walk away with hepatitis. <laughs> It's a sacred ritual. You're one of many. Draw some blood, put it on the spear handle, and seal the oath with your brothers. If you keep the oath, the gods will bless you for life. If you break it, be ye cursed. Did you get some? 
It's tricky, man. Dude, I'm really tearing that thing up. It's too cold out. Give it a second. Sometimes it just takes a second to breathe. Spear handle. It is done. Welcome to the esoteric order of Bluestone. Well, I have a feeling that's not going to be the last we'll be hearing about Hammer. Yikes. If you want to become part of the community supporting our journalism and storytelling that goes places others won't, then please consider becoming a pal or a buddy or a friend on Patreon, where, in exchange for a monthly contribution, you get early access, exclusive content, a limited edition signed Mary Margaret print that's suitable for framing, along with free books, invites to real-life meetups, and more. All the details are at crashberry.com. You can also help by spreading the word. Please tell your friends and strangers about the Crash program. It'll only do them good. Thanks for listening. He's big and strong. He's sad and mad.